So we've come to uh, the third of our sessions on uh, the, the story uh, leading up to us preaching through the Bible through 2011. I hope you're excited about that. I'm really looking forward to Revelation, and I'm hoping Simon's doing the whole thing. Um, anyway, moving on. Where have we come from for the last few weeks? Well, I've had a, a great fun listening to Simon on the podcast this week. Uh, not in very often, as you know, because I'm out with the young people. But it's been great. Lucy looked at the computer and went, Simon? She was a bit confused why his voice was coming out and he wasn't there. But we've been listening to his podcasts and we've been learning over the last few weeks about the Bible, about how we need to look at God's word. We don't just need to look at it, we need to read it, we need to study it, we need to uh, uh, meditate on it, we need to look and know God's word. And then we uh, looked at uh, last week, listening to God's word, and this is what this soap thing is all about. It's about using uh, a simple tool to listen to God speaking through his word. And so we come to this point now where we're going to look at the last one, at the living. You see, we could start January 2011 already, Bible in our hand, journey, uh, journal in our hand, doing soap every day. We could have our, our journals filled with maps and amazing things that God has said. We could have all our favorite verses underlined in our Bible. And we could reach December 2011, having memorized all of Leviticus, play top trumps every day. There's Bible top trumps with our young people and children about always having the right answer in small group. But we could get to the end of December knowing a lot more about the Bible, having heard God speak through it, but we wouldn't have even caught a glimpse of what God has for us for the coming year. You could get to January 2012, having read the Bible all the way through and think, oh, do I have to do Genesis again? We could do that. All of us could do that. Unless we do this last thing, which is to live the word. Now, Simon is an excellent speaker, but he spoke one piece of heresy last week. He will listen to the podcast, so he will hear this. I have a pink Bible, and it is leather-bound, and there is nothing wrong with that. If you weren't here last week, you won't get it, but it's pink, and it's great. Anyway, thank you. My Bible has been uh, with me for a number of years now, and it's become quite precious, not just because it's pretty. I know where things are in it, you know, when you just open pages. But since having Lucy, who's 20 months old now, my Bible's become a little bit more ragged. For example, that is James 1. I am so pleased that she has ripped James 1 out of my Bible. In fact, I wish she hadn't just ripped it out. I wish she had eaten it as well. Because James 1, for me, the reading we just had, is one of those passages I really wish was not in the Bible. And in fact, Lucy's helped me with that, so that's great. It's still there. James 1 is a real challenge to us all, and I'd love you to turn to it, but we're going to look at a few of those verses here on the screen. You see, it's really challenging. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Ouch. I thought I'd have a look in a few other uh, versions, translations of the Bible to see if it was any softer. This is the uh, New Century version. Do what God's teaching says. When you only listen and do nothing, you are only fooling yourself. Great. 
but be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it. It doesn't get better in the Amplified. And in the uh, new version of the NIV that's just come out, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. I don't think there's any escaping it, is there, chaps? It's very, very, very clear. Unfortunately, we have to take the whole of the Bible and we have to listen to God through it. Some verses are a lot harder to understand than others. This one, however, is really clear. We need to be doers of God's written word as well as readers and listeners of it. The doers of the word are characterised by a number of things. And the first one was uh, from what our, our first reading was all about and what Christmas essentially is all about. It's about the incarnation. You see, God is not just about words. He does what he speaks about. You see, characterised in the Bible, we have a God of love who longs to be in relationship with his creation He spoke of that, even from Genesis at the beginning. But he knew that speaking was not enough to capture our attention. And so he came and he lived. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, the living word came. God is not just about words, the written words. He knows that he has to speak in actions too. And he came as the living word. God showed us what it really meant to know the word when he became flesh. The only way God for once and for all could show us how much he loved us was to send Jesus. The world did not understand who God was, even though he had tried in so many ways, through giving of the law, through showing mighty works of power. He had to come himself. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And what happened? Well, the verse goes on to talk about the fact that the glory of the Lord was seen. God's very character, very heart was seen in visible ways. God risked everything by living the love that he had for us. We've heard this so many times. but We've got to capture it again. God's word became flesh. God's word needs to do that in our own life. As we read it, as we memorize it, as we study it, God's word incarnates itself in our hearts and in our minds. And then it needs to become alive. But there are many things that stop us from having, uh, living this kind of life. We know that we should read the Bible. We know we should memorize it. We know that we should try and live it. But there are a whole load of things that stop us actually doing it. And what I'd like you to do, just with the person next to you for a minute, is come up with some reasons why you think people, you don't have to do it personally, why people struggle to live the words that they read in the Bible. Just got two minutes with the person next to you Why do people struggle to live the words that we read in the Bible? Go. It's not just me sat in my little office thinking about it. But I think we all struggle to live it. I'd love to hear what you had to say. Uh, At some point I'll be uh, stood up by the door if you want to share them. 
But I think we all struggle to live the words that we read. And I've got four reasons. There might have been none of the ones you've got, but here are four things. And the first one is that we don't actually know what the word says, what the Bible has to say. Over the last 10 years, I've had the privilege of working with some incredible young people. Some of them show me up in their Bible knowledge. It's embarrassing. Others of them know nothing of the word, nothing of the Bible. They don't know anything. A number of years ago now, we had a young lady come to our church who didn't know anything about it. She honestly believed that Hansel and Gretel was in the Bible. She came from a family that had nothing to do with church. She'd been to a school that had nothing, uh, no religious assemblies, nothing. She really knew very little about the Bible. Her Bible knowledge was non-existent, but her hunger to find out about God was huge. And it was a privilege to open God's word to her. I remember when uh, we were sat in my lounge and we were reading Genesis chapter 3 about the sin coming into the world. And it was as we read together, you could see the lights come on. And she just looked at me and she said, so that's why the world's in such a mess, Claire. She would never have discovered that piece of revelation in her life unless she had read that word, unless I had read that word with her. She had no knowledge of the Bible. And so therefore, how could she live it in any way? But as she began to read the word, God became alive to her. And she learned through that many truths about life. One of the things that we struggle with when we're searching for answers or we're trying to make a life decision is wisdom. We're all asking for wisdom. God has given us that through his word. And sometimes you sit there and you think, if I open my word, if I open my Bible, something will just jump out. That's not often the case. The wind blowing through the pages doesn't really work, chaps. Occasionally it does. We need to know God's word so that we know how to live it. Number one. Number two, uh, oh, this is a great verse from Jeremiah. When your word came to me, I ate them. Lucy should have eaten them. There was great joy and my heart's delight. As he received the word of God, he literally ate them and they started dwelling in them, in him, and his actions changed. The second reason I had uh, was that the challenge feels too big. You might have expressed this one in uh, various ways. When I became a Christian, there were areas of my life that immediately had to change. I read really uh, uh, basic things in the Bible, and and, and they spoke to me, and I knew that there were loads of areas of my life that needed to massively change. However, that hasn't changed at all. I wish I could say 16 years later that uh, I'd learned all those lessons and my life was perfect. It's not so true. In fact, God's Word challenges me in such a deep way now that I know I will never, ever be there. You see, God's word daily challenges me to do big things for him, to make changes in my attitudes, to live differently. And if God's word isn't challenging the way that we live, if it isn't hard, if it doesn't feel too big, then I don't think we're listening hard enough. Because God longs for each of us to become more and more like his living word, Jesus And God longs for all of us to live this life. And if his word is not challenging the very way that we live, the very attitudes that we have, then we are not listening hard enough. It's really hard when you look at it like that. But then we just need to think about what we're celebrating this Christmas. 
Philippians 2, a familiar hymn for us all. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He became human. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to even death on a cross. Do you think the challenge felt too big for God? We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out, Is there any other way? The answer was no. If the challenge ever feels too big, read this verse. If the challenge ever feels too big to live for God, recognize what he has done for us because of his great love for us. If the challenge to live his ways ever feel too big, ask God how he felt in the Garden of Gethsemane or when Jesus was hanging on a cross. The challenge is big. Because God has big dreams and big plans and a big heart for each of us. But it's not impossible. And in God's power, we can make the changes that he asks of us when we read his word. My third reason, though, is that we're a bit afraid that we will fear what will happen if we actually put that work into action. I was uh, delivering some of the community newses to my road uh, this week. We live in the area, so it was great to be able to put that through the door. And there were a few doors where it was easy to go knock on the door and say, come to our Christmas services. And there were a few where I stood at the end of the drive looking at going, okay, God, I know you want me to do this, to witness to my neighbours, but I'm afraid to go knock on the door because they might say something or their dog might eat me. Sometimes following God's words make us afraid. We're worried about what might happen. I think there's a a number of stories in the Bible that might comfort us in this. Joshua is one of them. Can you imagine how he felt? He's taken over the reins from Moses. Moses was a pretty good leader. That's hard to follow. And then he has to go and take the promised land. Right at the beginning of uh, of Joshua, it says, you are going to go and take the promised land. And there are giants and there are scary things there and armies to fight. And And can you imagine how Joshua felt to receive that word from God? God says to him, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what is written it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Why not? Because I am with you. See, when we start living this life where we're taking God's word really seriously and we're stepping out doing what it says, we know that God is with us. And you know what? If God is with us, who can be against us? God is with us. Everything is possible. Frankly, if I know God is going with me, I think I can do it. Because his resources, his power, his spirit, his strength goes with me too. My fourth one is a little bit like my second one. It's not always easy. You see, there are things that feel too big, and there are some things that we look at and we go, okay, that's not very big, but it feels really difficult. The reading that Jonathan read to us, do not be angry. Okay, that sounds quite straightforward. Hmm. Okay. This week, uh, as a ministry team, we've been uh, reading John 1 together. And we've been doing soap on it. And God spoke to me really clearly about my heart for Christmas. Uh, If Jesus was to come to uh, lunch on Christmas Day, what would I do differently? Well, I would definitely make sure I had an organic turkey. 
And I would definitely make sure we had the nice toilet roll, not the Tesco's own brand. And I would definitely have a, a star and an angel on the top of my Christmas tree. What would you do differently if Jesus came for lunch? I've written on our ministry team uh, blog, uh, which uh, the details are here, uh, the, the reflections of soap as I, as I had this. Jesus said to me very clearly through this, would I be a Mary or a Martha on Christmas Day if Jesus was coming for lunch? I'd like to kid myself that I would be just like Mary, but I think I'd be rushing around like a headless chicken, making sure everything was just right. It challenged us this week to organize that prayer space. It wasn't really in the plan until the last week. But actually, we want to give you a space, give us a space to be Mary's this Christmas, to sit before God and say, this is all about you. I'm going to worship you this Christmas in everything that I do. Have a look on my blog for more information if you would like. You see, God's word isn't easy but we need to do it. We need to live it. I read a, a great book called The Divine Mentor by this guy, Wayne Cordero. Simon may have mentioned it. It's challenged a, a number of us around this place. And he puts it like this. How will I live differently because of what God has said to me? The incarnation has begun. Incarnation is what changes the world. Incarnation transforms my family. Incarnation rewrites my future. When God's word bleeds out of your fingerprints and your toenails, when you take it as daily bread, then you become a disciple. God's word shouldn't just be in your head. That's information. God's word should not just be in your heart. That's inspiration. When it bleeds out of you, when you live it, that's incarnation. That's taking what God has done for us, looking at what Jesus did, and then doing it ourselves. He goes on to say, when it's just in your head, it makes you like a Pharisee. And inside each of us, there's a Pharisee waiting to grow up. And when it's just in your heart, it makes you a fanatic. But when it bleeds out of your toes, it makes you authentic. I want to live authentically. I want to take what God's word says and I want to live it. And as I live it, there's an I that makes uh, uh, sense to me, this authenticity. It's all about integrity. Proverbs 10, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. I googled who Joe Bloggs was this week. Apparently this is Joe Bloggs, just for you. Joe Bloggs is a man in his 50s, and he wears a number of different hats. He's a dad, so he wears a dad hat sometimes. He is the church secretary of his church, so he wears this hat sometimes. He's the boss at BT, so he wears a hat that looks like this. He wears a number of different hats. He's an Ipswich Town supporter, so he wears his Ipswich Town hat. He's one of the boys, so he wears the one of the boys hats. He's a husband, so he wears the husband hat. And he's just Joe Bloggs, so he wears the Joe Bloggs hat too. We've all got a number of hats that we, different, that we wear. They're all different in many ways. We've all got a number of different circles of friends that we walk between. We've all got different lives. You've got your church life here today. You've got your Monday morning life tomorrow. Integrity is about making sure that Joe Bloggs is Joe Bloggs whatever hat he's wearing. 
Living God's word is about letting it grow in us so that our character is the same, whatever hat we're wearing. You will have heard from this pulpit and from many other places that living the life isn't about living the life here on Sunday, but it's about a Monday morning and a Tuesday lunchtime and a Thursday night. If we look at God's incarnation that we've just talked about, Jesus gave up the spiritual safety of heaven. He gave up that comfortable place where the angels were worshipping him. And he literally moved into the neighbourhood, as the message paraphrase puts John 1.14. He came and he moved into the neighbourhood. The word of God needs to come and incarnate itself in the whole of our lives. It needs to affect our Monday mornings and our Thursday nights. It needs to affect our relationships, who we are when we're with our families, when we're with our friends. It needs to affect the way we do school and college. It needs to affect who we are in every part of our lives. I'd love to say in the spiritual safety of church sometimes. But God wants me to live it out there. The life that he has given me, the words that he is speaking to me through his word, he wants me to live in every single way. And so that comes to a point of invitation. Of invitation, the last one. You see, as we read God's word, as we let it live in us, there's an invitation for each of us. The first one is God invites, we invite God to change us. You can't read the word and take it seriously without it changing each of every one of us. We can't do that. And I'm going to ask you to watch the screen for a moment. And we're going to watch a, a short video, which I'll explain a little bit more later, about some lives that have been changed by knowing God, the living word, but also reading his written words. And if someone could just hit the lights as well, that would be great. Let's watch the screen together. Just a, a few more invitations. You see, God's word changes us. And I see that in that video, and a little bit more of that later. But God's word, as we live it, invites others to be changed too. You see, as people see God's word in our life, like we saw that, it encourages us. It excites us. It changes us a little bit. You see, God came from the, the spiritual place of heaven to this earth, like I said And it should affect our Mondays and our Tuesdays. You see, as we live out God's word in our life, it invites others to come and see who the living word really is. I want to be characterized by love, not just reading about it. I don't want to just read about grace. I want to be a person of grace. I want to be characterized by the things of God, not by anything else. And I'm praying that as I live that life, others are invited to come and meet God too. I long to be that person. And so there's a couple of invitations at the end that I have for you. We would like to use uh, that concept of the cardboard testimonies next Sunday evening in our carols by candlelight service. This church will be packed. There will be candles everywhere. We will have our orchestra. It will be a fantastic service. The church will have never looked so good. But actually, we could just sing the carols. Or we could show those who gather the difference that God makes in our lives. Now, we will not be as dramatic as that, I am sure. Many of our stories are very different. Mine is very simply sinner to saint, because that's what God's word says to me. 
but I'm looking for people who are willing to uh, hold a piece of cardboard with one thing on one side, turn it round to show the other, just in words to say what God has done in your life. If you think you could do that, there'll be a piece of paper on the communion table here. And if you could put your name on that at the end of the service, I'll be in touch. Uh, We'll ask you for a very short rehearsal on Saturday for half an hour from 10 to 10.30. We'll put the pieces of paper together and we'll have a quick practice. But I'm asking that you would get involved next Sunday evening and uh, you would do that in some way or another. For God's word has changed each and every one of us. My second invitation, though, is to allow God's word to shape you and you to commit to live it. We're going to have a, a, a song in a moment whose words talk about that throne in heaven that Jesus left behind and that we sit before the throne offering our lives. Are you going to allow God's word to shape you? And over this Christmas time even, are you going to commit to live it in what you read and what you experience of God through the word? Are you going to live it? My final invitation is that you will use what you are reading to show others who God is by living that word. That's a choice we all have to make. Am I going to be loving to my next door neighbour, even though she's winding me up so much? Am I going to show grace to my child who is up at 4.30 every morning? How am I going to live the words that I am reading in the word? And how am I going to show that to others, but especially to those who do not know God? Let's have a moment of silence together, shall we? And let's reflect on what we've seen and what we've heard, asking God to speak to us.